All right. Two weeks ago, we had a Christmas message about Jesus. Does anybody remember what the message was two whole weeks ago? It would be a small miracle. Anybody? Ed, sorry, you're on the spot. Don't worry about it. Justin's got it. It was about Jesus' identity as the king. It's about King Jesus. And then last week, we talked about why Christmas. We tried to get into God's mindset. Why even go through the trouble of Christmas? And we, we've been in God's mindset for two weeks. And now Christmas has passed. Merry Christmas. I hope everybody had a phenomenal holiday. But today, we are going to get into Joseph and Mary's mindset about Christmas. So we're going to kind of, we're going to do Christmas in review. And by Christmas, I really mean the first probably year or two years of Jesus' life. In review, from the eyes of Joseph and Mary. And as I started to think about this, a real interesting message started to take shape. So I, I need to add a caveat right at the beginning. I need to have a disclaimer. It's going to be good. One, if God blesses you, life can be good. Amen? I mean, life can be really good. And we know that there are heroes in the Bible like Joshua and Caleb. They actually got to take the land, right? Caleb got the land he wanted, had a happy ending. We know that David, you know, lived into a ripe old age. You know, that Solomon had this awesome kingdom that God promised. We know that, you know, Jacob had a hard life, but he finally got to retire, you know, in that nice pasture land in Egypt. You know, he finally got the nice retirement that he wanted his whole life. There are happy endings. God can bless you with a really phenomenal, luxurious life, if he so chooses. That's not wrong, and he frequently does. And the reality is, all of us in America, compared to the rest of the world, we really do live in that lack of luxury. Yeah. We really do. Even if we feel like we're strapped for cash, compared to the rest of the world, we're doing great. Witness indoor plumbing. I mean, that's pretty darn good for a lot of the world. Okay, so God is good, he blesses people. But, we're going to get into some stuff here. That's real interesting. One, have you ever wondered, God, am I really where I'm supposed to be? Why is this so hard? Yeah. First question. No, nobody's wondered that. I remember when I was getting married to Nicole and I was engaged to her, and there were all, she's not here, neither's Keith. I can talk as freely as I want. <laughs> it was not smooth at all. And I was talking to a very trusted, mature Christian back in Ohio named Karen, and she was already married, and you know, she's walking me through kind of stuff. I'm calling her to complain, honestly, one day, and I said, Karen, I'm not sure I'm supposed to marry Nicole, because if I was in God's will, wouldn't it be easier? And she laughed at me. Not, not like a ho, 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 ha, ha, but like a real laugh laugh, like I had really touched a nerve, and it took a minute for her to calm down, and I was a little peeped. Her laughter, but now I understand why it's funny. I'm going to read the very first sentence of the Christmas story. And let's keep this idea in our mind. Am I where I'm supposed to be? This is so hard. So Mary is chilling. She's engaged to a guy named Joe. Life is going along fairly normally. And then this happens. And the sixth month of her cousin Elizabeth's pregnancy an angel shows up. Here is the very first sentence of the Christmas story. The angel of the Lord appears and says, I have to find it. Awesome. The angel appeared and said, Greetings, you who are highly... Anybody? 
favor. First sentence of the Christmas story. Greetings, you who are highly favored. We're going to look at the Christmas story today from the viewpoint of two people who are highly favored by God. And we're going to look at what it might look like to be highly favored. It's going to be kind of interesting. Mary, highly favored by God. Number one, she realizes, you, angel, are telling me I'm going to have a baby. I am unwed, I'm a teenager, and I'm about to get pregnant. In a culture, that stones people for that kind of thing. You weren't just looked down on that back in the day. If you were a young lady and you got pregnant out of wedlock, you could be killed. Not always, but it was possible. This is a huge risk. So I'd like to point out that right off the bat, Mary is listening to Gabriel talk. And it says that she was a little nervous because she was thinking, what kind of greeting might this be? No doubt she's instantly making the connection. You want me to get pregnant and I'm not married? That's going to be hard. In a lot of ways, that's going to be hard. Okay? Joseph, Joe, finds out she's pregnant. And now he's like, I can't stone her. Good for you, Joseph. So I'm just going to put her away quietly. I, I can't stand to see her murdered. You know, and no doubt his heart is broken, right? So an angel shows up to Joseph and says, hey, guess what? Your fiancé, your whole marriage has been hijacked, actually. I'm terribly sorry. But she's the child by the Holy Spirit. You know, so I kind of need you to marry her. And no doubt Joseph is thinking, okay, but you know what? That's hard. In a lot of ways, that's hard. Because now, Mary and Joseph, if they want to obey, and let's remember, they're in this situation because they are highly highly favored, they immediately face a hard situation. Shame, who knows, slander, gossip, talk of the town. And let's not forget, where are they from? A huge city where they can hide? They're from Nazareth, man. We've excavated Nazareth. You know how we talk about a, a one stoplight town? They weren't even a walled city. I mean, it was like ultimate small town, you know? And now we're pregnant out of wedlock. This is not going to remain hidden. This is going to be hard. So then we know that there's a census, right? The first census, so they have to travel. Well, is that easy? When you're pregnant and about to give birth? No, man. That's hard. That's hard. So then they get to Bethlehem, which, by the way, you have Nazareth way up here and Bethlehem way down here in the south. It's like a cross-country trip. They finally get there. At least they'll have a good place to stay, right? No. Are you kidding me? No place to stay? I can't help but notice that's hard. Okay? Give birth. Any family? No, no family. That's hard. Where do I put my child? Well, in a manger. This is hard, emotionally, physically. It's just hard. And then we know that it doesn't stop there with the hardness because the craziest ruler, Herod the Great, finds out that there's a king, quote-unquote, born. So he's like, I'm going to kill this kid. So now you come from this tiny little small town, travel across country, you've given birth with no family by yourself, outside probably in a cave because there's no place for you to stay, in the psycho that you hope would never notice you in a million years has your number. That's hard. So what do you do? You have to run. That's hard. 
And then after you're done running, let's not forget, eventually you have to make the trip all the way back. And that's hard. And it's hard because these are two people, lucky them, they're in a situation because they are highly favored. I would just like to point out that favor does not necessarily mean easy. Point one of the Christmas story in review through the eyes of Mary and Joseph. How was your Christmas, guys? Was it really nice to see family? No, we didn't get any of that. It was hard. It sucked, actually, for two years. It was awful. Christmas stinks. But we're highly favored, praise God. Does not necessarily mean easy. Maybe you're in this spot, okay? Maybe you've just given your life to the Lord, all right? Maybe you've just taken a leap of faith that you knew you were supposed to take for years. Maybe you've just obeyed something that you've been fighting against and you've just done it, but you've just taken a leap. You've just crossed over somehow. I think this is common, especially in salvation. And then you notice it's not all roses. It's hard. When I got saved, really turned my life over to the Lord, I was in my mid-twenties, and I had dug myself. Is this little testimony okay? I had dug myself through my own actions into such a hole. Looking back, I kind of felt like Frodo when he's in Mordor at the end of the movie, and it's like, you were literally in the heart of the enemy camp, surrounded by legions of orcs, right? And you couldn't get home if you wanted to. You know, you were a hundred miles away from safety. And I felt like when I got saved, I kind of came to right there in Mordor, and I'm like, what kind of wacko has been making my choices? You know what I mean? Oh, it's me. And then Jesus comes, and I'm grateful, and I'm favored, and I know what it's like to be new, and I feel the Holy Spirit, and I feel the surety of my salvation, you know, and I shed tears, and I trust the Lord. And really, to use the same analogy, what I wanted was Jesus to come like Gandalf and just summon the eagles and get me out of it, right? That's what he should have done with the whole movie, but it made it simple. <laughs> but instead, and maybe you'll feel like this too, I felt like Jesus showed up right there in the heart of my nastiness, and he gave me a heavy stick, and he's like, now let's fight our way out of here. And I'm like, I don't want to do that, that's hard. And he's like, all of you follow me, it'll be fine. It was hard for 10 years, it was hard. But I was favored. God led me. God preserved me. God gave me courage. God gave me strength. He literally kept me saved. But if I told you that after I got saved, it got easy, that's crazy. I can't lie to you. It was hard. But that hard was a thousand percent better than the hard I was in without Jesus going deeper instead of going out. Amen? Amen. Favor does not necessarily mean easy. Point two. Favor doesn't necessarily mean simple. Have you ever noticed that God frequently leads you somewhere, and it can be right next door, but first he will take you to Venezuela, and then China, and then across the street, and then to your parents' house, and then to college, and then you end up pretty much where you left off. It doesn't seem linear. God knows what he's doing. But check out Mary's journey in particular in the Christmas story, okay? She's in Nazareth. Up here, her tiny hometown, gets the announcement from Gabriel that she's going to get pregnant right after the prayer. Check it out in Luke chapter 1. 
That's Luke chapter 1, 36 to 43. She's like, how am I going to know this? And Gabriel says, behold, your cousins, you know, oh, I just forgot her name. Oh my goodness, Elizabeth, thank you. Oh, be terrible, Pastor, you play it. Elizabeth is pregnant with a child in her old age, and it's a miracle. So that's how you'll know. Gabriel leaves, and it says, Mary made haste to go to Elizabeth's house. Now, I submit to you that she made this move because there's only one person in the world that's not going to think she's a lunatic for saying, I'm carrying a miracle God baby. And that's the only other person in the world that's carrying a miracle God baby. <laughs> right? <laughs> so she runs over there, man. So you see Mary's journey. She goes from Nazareth over to Elizabeth's house. She only stays three months until it's time for Elizabeth to get to to give birth, and then she's got to go back. Well, it's been three months. Is there a physical change in Mary? Yeah, she looks pregnant. How easy do you think that was? So, Nazareth, Elizabeth's house, back to Nazareth. Then we have this Caesar guy who says, I would like to take a census of everyone in Rome. And I would like you to go back to the city of your, of your heritage, please, for the census. So they're like, you got a kitty. Now I'm pregnant. I just went over here to Elizabeth's house in Judea, just came back, and I've got to go across the country to Bethlehem. So they do that. They get to Bethlehem. She gives birth. An angel shows up and says, actually, it's the middle of the night, but I really need you to leave to Egypt because the crazy guy's going to kill you if you don't leave the country. If you read the account, Joseph wakes up from the dream, and they leave immediately. No warning. No extra packing, no nothing. They have to ditch town to Egypt. Good thing they just got a bunch of gifts from the wise men, right? They probably thought at least one good thing has happened. We got some gold here, we got some frankincense, we got some myrrh. And then it's like, well, I guess we're going to blow a lot of this in Egypt. By the way, we don't know how long we're staying. Then they get a dream in Egypt that they need to go back after, could have been, over a year. We really don't know. Maybe it was a couple months. From Egypt, back to Judea, back to southern Bethlehem, Jerusalem area, only to find out that the crazy guy, one of his crazy family members is ruling there in his place. This guy's so crazy, he only lasts a few years before Rome kicks him out. They actually take away his job. So guess where they have to go? Mary has gone from Nazareth to Elizabeth's house, back to Nazareth, down to Bethlehem, to Egypt, back to Judea, found out another crazy guy's in charge, and then has to go where? Back to Nazareth. Seriously? Right back to my small town? Joseph, Mary. So you got a kid. Where have you been for the last few years? Oh, you know, it's, it's hard having a God baby. We went to Egypt for a while, you'll never guess, Herod the Great wanted to kill us. I mean, they'd be like, okay, whatever you want to believe, guys, sure. Is that easy? Is that simple? They went right back to Nazareth. God, really? All over, two countries involved, and they sent them right back home? And all this because I'm highly favored? Favor does not necessarily mean your life is going to be simple. Not necessarily easy, not necessarily simple. Say Joseph and Mary reviewing their own Christmas story. And maybe you're in this spot. Maybe you took the leap. Maybe you gave your life to Jesus. 
maybe you made that step of faith, you obeyed the calling you've been waiting to obey, and you fought through the hard times, okay? And you didn't give up. And, and you relaxed there, and you knew God was with you. But now the confusing things are happening. You feel like everything in your life is topsy-turvy. Am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to be there? I've been in two countries. I literally have no place to go. Am I supposed to go back home? That seems like going backwards. What the heck am I supposed to do? Maybe you feel like that with work. Maybe you feel like that with church. Let that thought just kind of sit in the air. Okay? Relax. You can still be in God's favor, even though life is hard and life seems complicated. In fact, you're an excellent company. So if this is you today, and you feel like you're all over the map, you just might be. But that does not mean that God isn't with you. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's true. So we've had some hard things happen. We've had some confusing things happen in the Christmas story. But here, you know what? I don't want to move on just yet. I want to give a few more examples. I'm going to do that. From my own life? Nope, from the Bible. We have Paul, greatest missionary of all time, right? Greatest missionary of all time, wrote most of the New Testament. Do you know what God told him when he got his call into ministry? He's blind, first of all, by God. Why is he blinded by God? Because God has chosen him. He's highly favored. So he got knocked off his horse and blinded. Praise the Lord. Favor. Favor of God. So then he has a guy sent to him named Ananias that's going to heal him of his blindness and tell him that he needs to believe in Jesus Christ and get baptized. But P.S. God also tells Ananias, I want you to let this guy know that I'm going to tell him how much he has to suffer for my sake. I pick you. You're honored and blessed and highly favored. I have to kick you off your horse and blind you and tell you you're going to suffer for the rest of your life. Let's go. Come on. Okay, that was intentionally a bit sardonic. I apologize. Paul wouldn't have chosen to do anything else. I, I believe that. But God was up front with him. It's not going to be easy. We're a simple man. You're going to be shipwrecked. All kinds of weird stuff's going to happen. But I'm with you in your favor. And you're going to see me move like most people don't. Right? Read the account of the prophets. He tells Isaiah, I need you to go on a mission for me. Isaiah says, sure. And he says, P.S., you're going to talk, but they're not going to listen. Forever. But let's do this. It'll be decades. Let's do it. He tells Ezekiel, hey, I'm sending you to these people. But these people are literally so obstinate and stubborn and set in their ways not only are they not going to listen to you, but Ezekiel, I'm actually going to have to make you a little more obstinate and stubborn just so you can fulfill the job I have for you. This is truth. Being favored by God does not necessarily mean easy or simple throughout the entire Bible. Yes, that's sobering. I promise I'll bring it back up at the end. Point three. Being in God's favor does not necessarily mean constant status updates from God. I'm going to walk through the Christmas story. It's not going to be necessarily in order because we're going to go Matthew to Luke. And I'm just going to kind of recount for you all of the angelic and heavenly and divine intervention. Okay? 
So in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, the angel of the Lord appears to Mary. This is Gabriel. And then later in Matthew, we have the Magi show up, no doubt miraculous, and they, they saw a star, probably a supernatural thing, leading them from their country to the very house of Jesus. Angelic visitation, supernatural star, then guess what? You have Joseph warned in a dream right after they leave. Don't stay here. Go to Egypt. And then you have the shepherds. You have one angel and then an army of angels in the heaven talking to the shepherds, saying where Jesus is. So you're Mary and Joseph. You have these shepherds show up and start prophesying to you what these angel armies told them in the fields. How do you take that? Right? And then all of a sudden, you have, it's the eighth day. We have to get our babies circumcised. You take them into the temple, not one, but two prophets run up and snag your baby and hold your baby up and start saying all these crazy things about how your baby is going to fulfill all this stuff and a sword is going to pierce your soul also. And what do we even do with that? You know? And then you have angelic visitations all over the place. Go to Egypt, come back from Egypt, don't go there. You have angels going to shepherds, you have angels going to magi. And then nothing. Nothing. Is this a thing with God? We have nothing recorded about Jesus' life for 30 years. We have a brief little thing with some sass in the temple when he was 12. It's not really sass. They go out of their way to tell you that he subjected himself to Mary and Joseph. But nothing supernatural. So you're Mary and Joseph. You wonder, don't you? After he's five, six, he's, he's walking on his own. He's starting to help dad in the shop. Everything's still kosher? Because it seemed like we were tripping on confirmation before. We had people visiting the house. We had stars over our house. We had Middle Eastern foreigners showing up to give us gold. And now nothing for 30 years. Maybe you're in this spot. Maybe you made it past the instant hardship. Okay? Maybe you made it past the confusing, strange difficulty that came months or years later. Maybe it's been 10 years. Maybe it's been 15 years. Guys, maybe it's been 30. Maybe I'm speaking to future Anthony right now at this moment. And I'm going to sit back one day and I'm going to be like, I feel like I have no affirming input. I felt like I used to have God's cell phone number and now I feel like he hasn't shown up to say, hey, good job, in decades. If you're in that spot, it's not time to relax. It's time to get excited. And I'll tell you why this is different than the other two spots. The other two spots are stress-inducing, right? Things are hard, things are confusing, I'm stressed. This is different. This is a different animal that they had to deal with because this is despair and lethargy and a whole bunch of really nastier animals trying to creep in. Have confidence. Because when God finally breaks this 30-year silence, it's to say, this is my son in whom I'm all pleased. And he hasn't stopped talking since. He hasn't stopped talking since. This is a charismatic church. We believe that you can learn to hear the voice of God and he can affirm you and he can build you up. Not only that, but he can give you special words of wisdom and words of knowledge and prophetic words for your brothers and sisters in the church as well. 
Why do we believe something that crazy? Because it's in the Bible. And even if you're of the persuasion that God only speaks in the Bible, you have the Bible. So if this is you, and it's felt dry, and it's felt confusing, and you've wondered, have I missed it? I knew I was there when it was hard. I knew I was there when it was confusing, but I can't take this quiet. My wholehearted advice to you, and maybe future Anthony, is fall back in love. Let him talk. Go back to your first love. Like John says in Revelation, feel the word impact your heart again. Break up that fallow ground. Get rid of that hardness in your heart. Start crying again. Start worshiping again when you're by yourself. Get up early and shut up. Man, I am so benefited when I stop talking and I just put myself in front of God and I'll set the timer on my phone. Time is always an acceptable gift to God, by the way. Set your timer for five minutes or ten minutes and be quiet. And just say, Jesus, I'm just going to focus on you right now. I know that's weird. You don't even have to do anything, God. I just want to be with you. You'll get fired up. Are you a tongue-talking person? You speak in tongues? Man, speak in tongues for five minutes. Speak in tongues for ten minutes. Edify yourself. Why do I believe something that crazy? Because it's in the Bible. And it works. If you're in this last spot, it's not time to relax. It's time to get active. Engage your love again. And realize that he has never stopped loving you from the very beginning when it was hard. He walked you out of that pit that you dug. He walked me out of the pit that I dug, and he's never been far away since. He's still right there, and you can still turn around and look him in the eye. Favor doesn't mean easy. Favor doesn't mean simple. And favor doesn't mean constant status updates from God. Take God at his word. You are his daughter, and you are his son, if you believe in him, and you have made him your Lord. And his sons and daughters are highly favored. There's no other option for a son or daughter. He loves you to a scary degree. Mm -hmm. He loves you almost an intimidating amount. And he wants good for you. Let's take him at his word, okay? Mary and Joseph would look back at the Christmas story and say, it was hard, it was complicated, and there were times when I doubted, but God is good. And I know he loves us. And after seeing Jesus' life, they would have no doubt that he loved all of us as well. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, you are good. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, we take this opportunity to think about Jesus and why he came. Lord, impact our hearts again anew with how much you love us. And what it really means to have you walk beside us and for us to be favored. God, I trust you again with my life, as of today, right now. And I am up to follow you wherever you go. And if you've never made that commitment, I invite you to do that now. Jesus, be the Lord, the boss, the king of my life. And be my savior, because I need one. I need one. I don't know what wacko has dug this pit, but... I'm 99% sure it was me, and only you can get me out. Lord, I want to be favored. I want to be your son or daughter. I want you to forgive me because I'm a sinner and I admit it, 
And I want you to show me what it looks like to live for you for the rest of my life. And I'll walk with you the whole way. Amen for the long haul. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to be prayed for tonight, I'm going to be up here. I would ask uh, Chris and Heather to come up as well. And maybe some other people, if you feel led to pray. And I just want to encourage some people tonight. Because I feel like there are some people that need to remember that they're favored and that God is for them. And I would hate for us to leave sad when we can leave joyful. Amen? Amen. You guys are dismissed. Feel free to hang out, get some coffee, and enjoy each other. Have a good night.